Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Let's give a big shout out to our one and only super producer. You know him, you love him, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Max Williams. Woo. Woo. They call me Ben. Noel, today's episode is about bird poop. Yeah, and I think it's not the first time we've talked about bird poop on this show. That's correct. If I'm not mistaken. There, there was another episode about bird poop when we when this topic came up from uh, our incredible new researcher, Jeff. I had to do a double take. I swear we've done this. But no, in fact, we did another episode uh, that involved guano, which is a catch-all term. It's not just for bat poop, for any avian creature's poop. And, and it's very useful stuff. And often the, the subject of... Uh, not only intense debate, you know, as to what creatures uh, qualify for guano, but, you know, bloody wars over the stuff because it's like good for lots of things, including making bombs. Yep. Agreed. Uh, guano is a resource all its own, often underestimated because it is, in fact, poop and people have their own uh, somewhat prejudicial views about feces. Yes. Big announcement. Uh, Max, if we could get some sort of big announcement music. Perfect. This is the first time we're working with a good friend of the show, longtime fan, Mr. Jeff Bartlett, a research associate, not the only 
new addition to our crew. You'll learn more in the next episode. But Jeff absolutely wowed us with uh, this story that I believe neither of us had heard before. It's about how Bolivia lost a serious war over bird poop. That's right. And uh, you might also, if you're interested in bird poop uh, and you want, yeah, I mean, I have to tell you this, Ben, I used to have a boss who was from like the Midwest and he introduced me to the term, which I would never use in conversation, but the straight poop. Well, if you want the straight poop on bird poop, we're going to give you some of that today, but you can also get it from an episode that we did about when U.S. farmers went nuts about bird poop. And it's actually a good primer for this episode because the reason for this bloody conflict was an explosion, no pun intended, in the um, demand for bird poop. And a large part of that was because of agriculture. Yep, that's correct. So we know since before the dawn of the written word, wars have often been the result of disputes over territory and more pointedly, the resources those territories contain. We're talking today about something that you would call the War of the Pacific or La Guerra del Pacifico. Uh, it took place from 1879 to 1883, and this was an international conflict. It involved Chile, Bolivia, and Peru, and it started as a beef that Chile and Bolivia had over who controlled part of the Atacama Desert. This is something that is known historically. You can see it in Britannica. We also like to recommend an excellent source that our, our guy Jeff found, the national interest, why Bolivia and Chile once went to war over guano, parentheses, bird droppings. Uh, so the uh, this is by Peter Susio. so shout out to him, but uh, the spoiler, there's a reason that they were fighting so ardently over this poop. And it's not, they, they weren't just super into poop for poop's sake alone. If you look at the desert, it's between the 23rd and 26th parallels on the Pacific coast of South America. I visited, it's lovely, uh, and you should check it out if you have the chance. But they were thinking in particular of something called sodium nitrate. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, bird poop isn't just the stuff that you, you know, are disgusted by and angry at birds. You shake your fist at the heavens when you see it on your car. God forbid you have a black car because it's just the most, you know, obvious thing in the world. It sticks out like a sore thumb and it's gross. So you got to scrape it off or like go to a car wash. But then you get out of the car wash and what inevitably happens? Another bird poops on your car. What can happen with this stuff, though? In times where maybe there weren't cars parked everywhere, instead of that stuff landing on your car, it would end up in the ground or in the soil, and there would be large deposits of it, specifically on coastal areas where seabirds, you know, are always uh, pooping. And that's what we're dealing with here, is a coastal region that contained significant deposits of uh, guano, which is an incredible source of nitrogen, phosphate, and potassium which are all uh, materials that can be used to make gunpowder and, you know, things that go boom. Yeah. And for a little bit of background, this was an area that was ripe for this sort of territorial dispute. The countries involved, Chile and Bolivia, had earlier negotiated a treaty that recognized specifically the 24th parallel as their international boundary and it gave Chile also the right to share in export taxes 
on the mineral resources of Bolivia's territory in this area, just in general, the general mineral resources. But Bolivia was increasingly less happy with this relationship. You know, they thought they thought, well, Chile's big and um, and they're parasitic. It's a parasitic partnership, they were thinking. So they thought, you know, Chile might try to take over our coastal region because from a business perspective, they already have their uh, creepy tentacles in the mining industry. So ben, in addition to that excellent Spanish pronunciation you gave earlier, the War of the Pacific was also called the Saltpeter War, which uh, referred to the stuff in the guano, which we're going to get to, that whole side of things, that was so sought after and used to make uh, explosives and, and gunpowder. So here's the root of the conflict. Chilean and British businesses in the area, they've got their tax regime set out. And if you asked those folks, they would say that Bolivia was the parasite in the relationship or in the interaction, because as these businesses began to make more money in the region, the Bolivian government controlling the territory uh, in practice at this point said, we're going to increase the taxes. We're going to get more of a vig off the work that you are doing. And since the border treaty that they had signed earlier back in 1874 did not allow for this tax increase and these private companies felt the tax was unfair, they started going, they're very powerful people, they started going to the Chilean government and they said, hey, you guys have to get involved. We are taking a bath on this. It's unfair because we're doing all the work and they're just sort of taking money from us or, you know, taking what we have done for their own. And then this led to a diplomatic crisis. It led to a war. And because it led to a war, the Chilean government officials learned that the whole time Bolivia had been secretly booed up with Peru. They had a kind of alliance that said, you know, somebody starts a fight with you, they start a fight with me. That's right. And then in 1878, the Bolivian government under President Hilarion Daza put out a decree that announced a backdated 1874 tax increase on Chilean companies. And the Chilean companies were not happy about this. Their government under President Anibal Pinto said this was not in step with the border treaty. So then one of those companies, Ben, that you mentioned, uh, the Anafagasta Nitrate and Railway Company, they just flat out refused to pay. And at that point, the Bolivian government says, okay, well, then we're going to confiscate your property. So that's not cool. At that point, Chile responded by, this is, this is the war that you're talking about, just some of the, the details as to like how it kind of began. Uh, at this point, Chile responded, as you should, as you must, you know, if you're government, you, gotta, you can't be flexed on without flexing back in return, uh, decided to, to take it to the next, you know, highest level of flex by sending a warship uh, to the area. Pretty, pretty serious escalation, going from threats about taxes, confiscating property to full-on warship invasion. And that was in December of 1878. Uh, Bolivia then announced that they were going to seize and auction the entire company, that uh, Anafagasta Nitrate and Railway Company. And that was going to happen on, on Valentine's Day, on February 14th. So then Chile, you know, not to be outdone once again, threatened that if they did that, it would render the border treaty null. 
which was all anybody, which is all they wanted in the first place. So at this point, it's become a pretty nasty back and forth that is on the verge of an explosion, like literally, like a like a um, a diplomatic explosion, a real powder keg, which is appropriate considering the materials we're talking about today. So on the day of that auction, which ended up being the high water mark, uh, you know, match strike day of this conflict, two thousand Chilean soldiers poured into the country, got off their boat and claimed the port city of Antofagasta without a fight. It was a bloodless takeover, thankfully. Mm -hmm. At the time. Now we have a massive border dispute, massive territorial dispute. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes. You heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac, yeah. Bonneville's. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many 
different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Yeah, it only took about a week for Bolivia to declare war and then say, uh-oh, you've triggered my trap card. And my trap card is this secret alliance with Peru. Is that a magic thing? Trap card is my attempt to reference a meme that comes from a card game called Yu-Gi-Oh, which some of ah. our fellow ridiculous historians may remember. Probably so, yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh is like kind of the poor man's Pokemon, and which was like magic for kids. I always love playing Pokemon, but I've never gotten uh, the, the, the gumption to get into magic, though I really want to. It's a lot of fun. All right, I got two things for us right here. Uh, one, I have a buddy who dreamed of being a professional Yu-Gi-Oh player. I don't know if that actually exists, but he dreamed. Number mm, two. dreams. Bring it out. Couple feet away no from way. me. I got all my Pokemon cards. That's so oh, awesome, man. Max. I got a giant desk that I do all my stuff on. And no joke, I have an entire drawer just dedicated to childhood, you know, um, fun items. It's the biggest drawer of my desk. I, 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 I mean, I really should grow up already. Oh, you know, never. Like files never. In it. Will you teach me how to play? Oh, of course. Yeah, we will all get together. I mean, I don't know. How, I don't have that many good cards. I think like my holographic Charizard, not first edition, but just holographic Charizard. It's gone. I got a few of those uh, metallic ones. Me and my kid were into yeah. when she was little. We had the mat and everything, and I really liked playing. I think I liked it more than she did. So, Max, I fully am on board with this. And, Ben, it's a super fun game and very quick to pick up. And I think I have about as many as you do in a couple of big uh, freezer bags. Let's all go hang out and do this, guys. Right on, because I still have a uh, a secret thing for you, Max. I, I left it at the office and I took it back because we're in the midst of a move. But uh, so is Bolivia at this time. Their secret alliance, its official name is the Defensive Treaty of 1873. And the Peruvian government wants to stay true to their word. So they say... Not only are we going to make good on our agreement with Bolivia, but in the great geopolitical game in the long-term chess, this matters to us because we believe Chile is expansionist. And we're also kind of worried that not everybody's in the best shape to face the Chilean army. So Peru at first counsels a peaceful resolution they say, all right, we're going to send one of our top guys, one of our top men, shout out to Indiana Jones, to negotiate with the government of Chile. Chile says, we need you to make a statement of neutrality. And Peru says, ah, I can't really do that because we just went public about our secret relationship with Bolivia. And then Chile says, all right, well, we're not talking diplomacy at all. We're declaring war on both of you. And they do this on April 5th, 1879. And so, even though Peru was not involved in this guano conversation at all, they got sucked in. Kind of like if you've ever been in a, in a bit of a brouhaha with your friends or a hullabaloo, and then you hear one of your friends say, oh, you got a problem with me? You got a problem with all of us. And then you look around and you're like, why is this guy pointing at us? Oh boy, here we go. 
So Peru lost thousands of uh, of troops and a lot of property during the war. And at the end of the war, there was a uh, seven-month civil war. Love that when one, one war between you and another country uh, leads to a war uh, within your own borders, amongst your own people. And a lot of this has to do with the fact that the nation was economically destitute after all of this and continued to be uh, for many years to come. So finally, in 1884, there was a truce between Bolivia and Chile, um, and Chile was given as a condition of this truce control over the entire coast of uh, Bolivia. That included the uh, that um, city of Antofagasta, or the province within, and all of that good stuff. Uh, and that was the good stuff. That was the area with the nitrate and the copper and all of these other minerals that were very, very precious and very, very mineable. So then in 1904, a treaty was established that made this, you know, uh, I guess temporary truce permanent, the law of the lands. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And at this point, ridiculous historians, if you, like the rest of us, are uh, living not in the 1800s, then you may rightly ask yourself, what's the deal? Why all this bird poop? We have the answer. Guano like we established earlier in this episode, has nitrogen, phosphates, a lot of other stuff that is super valuable in the industrial age. It works in both agriculture and economic development. And we know, thanks to Gregory Cushman, the author of Guano and the Opening of the Pacific World, a Global Ecological History, that guano was a huge, huge deal. It could be used to produce things or be part of the production process of goods like glass, bleach, dye, color, glazes. Cushman even says, it tells us quite a lot about the historical circumstances that have enabled us to grow to become so numerous as a species. And he particularly believes that fertilizer has played this role in supporting the growth of large concentrated populations. So in a real way, modern civilization owes a lot to bird poop or bat poop. Wano. Remember that uh remember that um Ace Ventura sequel when nature calls? The big twist in that one is that it's like all about the evil Americans just want the guano hmm. that like the indigenous people have because of their like giant sacred bats or something like that. Really, really problematic if you go back and watch it now. Is that the one uh, where he comes for a out lot of, of reasons out, out of like a fake rhino's butt? Or something. He does do that thing. Okay. Yes, it's a it's a genius disguise, uh, apparently. And I think it was kind of parodied in an episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where uh, where Frank pops out of like a couch, like a weird baby seal being born. He's all sweaty and covered in slime. I think it's a reference to that, but I could be wrong. But yeah, guano is the kicker of that timeless piece of uh, of American cinema. So. Well, guano is kind of a catch-all for, you know, the excrement of avian creatures, like we said at the top of the show. The word guano is obviously a South American word. It has come sort of like Xerox or Coke, you know, to become a catch-all because of the most popular version of a thing for all of the things. You know, Coke represents all soda, unless you're from 
the Midwest, in which case it's like pop. God forbid you're from the Carolinas and call it Pepsi because uh, that's a horrible drink. But the most important part of the stuff, whatever you want to call it, is all of the mineral nitrates that are found in the Atacama Desert. Because of this, the South American seabirds specifically, their uh, variety of guano happens to be the richest source of this kind of nitrogen on the entire planet. Even though any any bird poop or avian poop is pretty rich in this stuff because of specifically the mineral content of the environment that these birds find themselves in, theirs is the best. There's the best poop you can get. Not to mention that the climate of the Pacific coast of Chile and the chemical balance of, you know, the ocean water uh, in Peru, they all of these things combine to create this ecosystem that creates like the perfect combination of circumstances for an incredibly rich environment for fish, as well as, of course, the seabirds that eat them. So it all, in turn, goes to create the, the highest quality guano that you can imagine, which would make the boomiest of boom stuff. So there's uh, copious amounts of uh, guano rich in this uh, phosphates, nitrates, and potassium that are um, deposited in this coastal region, not to mention the agricultural angle. These are the three, nitrate, phosphate, potassium, most important components of any fertilizer. Uh, and this wasn't always a thing that people were aware of. And because there's so little rain in this area, this stuff stays where it is. So it can be mind essentially because of the dry climate so it creates these very very rich and dense deposits of this stuff and like i said this wasn't always a thing there was a revolution going on ben you mentioned how guano essentially was a huge part of the industrial revolution this was also a huge part of industrialized farming Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car. I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonneville's. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man, and funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. 
Mm-hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. (laughs) Well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Yeah, this is weird because Guano was sort of an unsung hero, I would call it, of the industrial age. Look, I get it, folks. Bird poop looks gross, right? And if you are familiar with the history of fertilizer, you know that feces has played a big role in agriculture. Even today, uh, some agricultural communities engage in the practice of night soil, which is using human feces to, uh, to provide fertilizer for crops. But despite bird poop's really gross appearance, and it's not great smell, back in the 1800s, It was sold around the world, and it was the number one agricultural fertilizer in the U.S. I mean, even before the war in Bolivia we're talking about today, the very first American ships that were mining guano were doing it in the 1830s off the coast of Peru, a place called the Chincha Islands. And there was a large population of various birds. I always love how ridiculous bird names can sound. So let's all be adults here. There were pelicans, there were cormorants, and there were, of course, boobies. We can say that because it's a family show (laughs) and it's the actual bird's name. But we can still chuckle, right? Oh, boobies. Okay. Max is tickled by that one. It's also a bird called a tit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The great uh, bush tit. Is that one? Am I just making it up? I can't. You might, have, you might have made that one up okay. just to take it to the next level. There are probably tits of different varieties from different regions, I imagine. Yes, there is a bird called the bush tit. It is uh, not necessarily great. So I guess that part was my opinion. But the actual name is bush tit. Anyhow, off the coast of Peru, these American ships find islands that are covered in guano almost 200 feet deep. And this Peruvian guano gets popular in the U.S. And then, like uh, you had alluded to earlier, Noel, a lot of other companies' private interests are searching other parts of the Pacific and the Caribbean to find the better guano. And 
it really all depended on rainfall because when it would rain on these islands or these sources, the nitrates would be sapped out of the guano. And so places with a relatively dry climate, like this area of Bolivia slash Chile and the uh, Chincha Islands off the coast of Peru, because they didn't have a lot of rain, they had really super powered, like high grade guano, the best in the world, no hyperbole. And as soon as people heard about the beauty of guano, Americans became super, super eager. They were fiending for it, even though various South American governments were selling it at a premium. And as crazy as it sounds, the U.S. president of the time, Millard Fillmore, even talked about guano in public. And it was like a policy issue. It was a big, big deal nationally. Millard Fillmore, one of the nerdiest president names of all time. I don't know why. I just think when I hear Miller, I just think of Millhouse and just bad things happening to poor Millhouse. But then there's that one episode where everything's coming up, Millhouse. That always makes me happy. Um, but yeah, he said it was, quote, the duty of, <laughs> sorry, it's the, the duty. We're talking about poop. Never mind. Um, the duty of the government uh, to employ, oh, Max, I didn't even get a chuckle out of you. Good Lord, you're letting oh, me sorry. down, bud. You're letting me uh, down. I'm sorry, it's buddy. It's okay. It's fine. Uh, it's the duty of the government <laughs> to employ all means properly in its power for the purpose of causing that article, you know that article we're talking about, Peruvian guano, to be imported into the country at a reasonable price. So even Millard Fillmore is concerned about the price, uh, I mean, the the taxation, you know, that's a, that's a big part of, uh, you know, fair trade between nations is like having a reasonable and predictable import or export tax. And now, hopefully, ridiculous historians, it seems a little bit less strange that there was a war over the poop of flying animals, which is guano is just the excrement of pretty much any flying animal uh, from bird to bat. We know that this led to other international conflicts. The Chincha Islands became the subject of the Chincha Islands War, also related to bird poop. And we mentioned this in a previous episode, the U.S. even passed legislation in 1856 that said, hey, if you're a U.S. citizen and you find an unoccupied island with guano on it, stick a flag in it, baby. Say that that's property of the U.S. because we're not playing around. Mm -hmm. And we know. No, and that, and that was a big uh, that was a big feature of the previous episode that I mentioned at the top of the show when U.S. farmers went crazy for a bird poop. It was all about claiming islands that had these deposits. Uh, so this is an international affair. Right. And part of the reason, again, going back to the excellent work of this historian Cushman, part of the reason this war spiked was because the trade was in danger of being disrupted. There was a huge earthquake in 1868, a 9.0 magnitude quake that generated a tsunami. And this, even back in the late 1800s or mid-late 1800s, this earthquake was a big enough deal that people felt it in New Zealand, in Japan, in Hawaii. And this earthquake struck the Atacama Desert right in the middle of this guano nitrates boom. So it put pressure on these countries. And it's a good, you know, it's fair to ask whether this war would have occurred without that earthquake. If we would have even had the Saltpeter War or the War of the Pacific. I think it's fair to say that eventually some kind of conflict would have would have occurred because people were just 
Gaga for guano is probably the silliest way to put it. It's a perfectly delightful way of putting it, if you ask me. All this to say is that uh, there's probably sillier things that wars have been waged over. But, you know, look, it's only silly because we're children and um, we think poop is funny. But, you know, it doesn't matter where it comes from. If it serves as an important component in all of the, you know, chemicals that drive uh, the industrial world and also, you know, war itself. So war over war stuff. That makes sense. Even though it's just the white stuff, you know, that ends up on your car. It's gross, but uh, it's uh, it's it's an important commodity. And Bolivia found that out the hard way when they were robbed of a, a lovely stretch of coastline um, that, that rightfully belonged to them. But um, they were outclassed in war and it was taken from them. And it was, I mean, what's the status of that situation today? I imagine, I mean, there's probably still, you, you know more about South American diplomacy and, um, you know, affairs than I do, Ben. There's still tension between these nations, right? Well, there, yeah, there's always going to be a, some amount of tension between nations over various things. But uh, that 1904 treaty, as far as I know, made it permanent. The uh, one you mentioned earlier still this gives us an opportunity to mention something that is not pleasant, but is important. It's a phenomenon known as the resource curse. Some of the most resource rich areas and countries in the world are struggling under crippling inequality because they have been, you know, victimized through one international conflict or another, such that private companies and other countries can extract whatever valuable things they have. And the past really, the past is a conversation, of course, but the past also sets important precedents. And recently, Bolivia has been learning about another resource immensely valuable to the modern world that is in its possession, and it's been trying to avoid being exploited in that regard. Bolivia, as we record today, has about a quarter of the world's known supply of lithium. Bolivia, by the way, is not a huge nation in terms of population. It's got about 12 million people, and multiple foreign companies are trying to get lithium projects going there. Because you guys know lithium's like a rare earth metal. It's used in tons of electronic applications. So we're going to see what happens. But I would also, not to be too conspiratorial, that's for stuff they don't want you to know. I would also keep an eye on any uh, conflicts in Bolivia in the near future and check to see whether or not they're related to mining rights. Absolutely. It's often uh, something very much at play in these kind of situations. So on that note, we will leave you for today. Thanks to new researcher Jeff, uh, to super producer Max Williams. Alex Williams composed this banging track. Thanks also, of course, to Christopher Hasiotis. Thanks to Eve's Jeffcoat. Thanks to, uh, yeah, our brand new uh, super research associate, Jeff Bartlett. We'll have to have him on the show soon. And we'll introduce you to our second brand new, straight out the box, super research associate, the one and only Zach Williams, later this next episode. So tune in. In the meantime, I guess... What we can take away from this is that the weirdest things and maybe the most insignificant seeming things can lead to great and sometimes violent change. No truer words were ever spoken. See you next time, folks.
For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today.